Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 podcast. Um, really excited to keep the show going. Uh, we are into season six now, and today's guest is Kenny Santucci. Kenny has made himself known as one of New York's top trainers and a thought leader in the health and wellness industry. He's a brand ambassador for Michelob Ultra and FitAid. Uh, he's the host of Fit Aid Morning Show, Michelob Ultra Movement, Fitness Festival, and more. Santucci has established himself as a force within the fitness space. I'm really excited that we got this episode lined up, Kenny. Uh, I know you're the creator of Strong New York, New York's biggest health and fitness festival, an immersive day of workshops, panel discussions, workouts, and inspiring conversations with the best in-class wellness professionals, industry leaders, and change makers. I've heard a lot about Strong New York, and I can't wait to dive in. First and foremost, thanks for joining me today. Dude, thank you. I know we've been we've had this on the uh, docket for a long time, so I'm finally glad we got to make this happen. Of course, man. Um, and um, you know, one thing I know about you is that your story is comprehensive. It's got uh, ups and downs inside and outside of the fitness world. But what I love about how it's all come together is everyone I know in the fitness scene in New York um, over the last five, six years knows who you are. Um, and that's what, whether it's in the running community, whether it's in the hit community, whether it's in the strength community, uh, everyone that I've come across says something that, you know, have you ever met Kenny Santucci? And it was only recently that you and I have met. Um, so why don't we, uh, scale things back for a second here? And why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and, and, and how you got here? Yeah. Uh, growing up a heavy set kid, uh, in an Italian family in Newark, New Jersey. you know, fitness was never a uh, thing that was talked about in my house. I mean, I was born in 83, um, you know, and health and wellness wasn't what it is today, right? There wasn't as much information readily available. Uh, but I knew that I was uncomfortable um, on a daily basis. I wasn't happy being overweight. I didn't understand it. So, you know, I started to do the things that I, the people that I admired were doing. You know, um, obviously I was a kid of the eighties and nineties and I grew up watching, um, you know, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and all these guys. And they all had great bodies and they were all big movie stars and people loved them. I obviously loved them. So I just wanted to start doing the things they did. Um, you know, there was a little deli next to my high school that sold, you know, muscle magazines and pornos and everything else. You know, back then you couldn't get free porn and free information online. So you had to get it from magazines. Um, so I'd go to this little deli next to my high school in Jersey City. And uh, I'd steal a couple different magazines. I'm not going to say they were all fitness, you know, but I took a couple and I would take some of the workouts out of the magazines and just do like Triple H's arm workout and the Rock's leg workout and, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, uh, you know, back workout. And I would just do these all the time. I'd take them to the gym with me. I would go to my high school gym. And then I joined my first gym when I was like 14, 15 years old. Uh, it's called strong and shapely. It's in New Jersey. Um, you know, it's still around. Uh, my brother actually still goes to that gym. Um, and you know, I got into the health and wellness world just by, you know, reading magazines and reading old books on health and wellness and strength and conditioning. Um, just cause I was interested in it. I hired my first trainer when I was in maybe 20, 21 years old. Um, I wanted to do it in school. And I remember my guidance counselor at the time, uh, you know, I said, I want to be a personal trainer. And they're like, that's the worst career path you could possibly take. Nobody really does that. You're not going to make money. It's always a side job for people. Um, you know, I hired my first trainer was 2021. I loved what he was doing with me. I got the opportunity to uh, 
a couple of years later, worked with Joe DeFranco, who I fell in love with, who's still a mentor to me to this day, huge fan of his. Um, and, you know, I was like, I really enjoy what these guys are doing and what, you know, what they do on a daily basis. So I decided to make it my own career and I've been doing it ever since. Um, so it's been 10 plus years that I've been a uh, fitness professional, I'd like to say, because um, I get paid to do it. I don't ever like to say I was doing it ever before then, because unless you're getting paid to do what you say you do, you're probably not doing it. Um, so, yeah, I just fell in love with it. And, you know, Strong New York and all the gyms and everything that I've done up to this point has all just been a passion project, right? And we've done a lot of this stuff if I was getting paid or not. You know, I, I, I love it. I enjoy it. Um, but you can't be a professional at it until you get good enough that people want to pay you. I love it. Um, I want to go back really quick into childhood. You said you were heavy set. I've seen some of your before and after shots. Um, I want to uh, ask, you know, were you the first in your family to kind of embrace health and wellness? And, and were you kind of uh, breaking a curse of sorts uh, around you at that time? Yeah, at the time I was, you know, grilling chicken on a George Foreman grill and uh, eating tuna out of the can. And my mother thought I was a complete wacko. <laughs> I remember the first time I came home with creatine and my parents thought I was taking drugs. My dad smacked the shit out of me because he thought I was taking steroids. <laughs> um, that shows you how little people knew actually back then, like what was actually going on. Um, but yeah, I was the first one to really dive into it. And now, you know, my sister, my brother-in-law, they're super into fitness. Uh, my mom, I sent my mom to a trainer, a friend of mine out in Jersey. He's got a gym in Caldwell. Uh, my mom goes there twice a week and works out with a trainer and then goes to class like three, four times a week. You know, she didn't work out a day in her life till she was what, 60, 61. Now she's 72 years old and she's been working out for 10 plus years. Um, so, uh, you know, it's very cool to see that, uh, me and my brothers, I mean, we always were into working out, but I was kind of the one who took it a little bit further than everybody else. You know, I've done everything from Ironmans to marathons, triathlons, CrossFit competitions, uh, jujitsu tournaments, you name it. Got it. So there's two sides to this, right? When it comes to uh, building out a platform as a trainer, obviously there's a side where you need to understand, you know, what works from a body perspective. But then there's also the uh, side of things where you need to link up with people uh, from an emotional level and to understand how to sync up with them, um, you know, where they're at. Um, and one of the things that's clear about you and what you've built, you know, given to what I said earlier, a lot of people from different backgrounds seem to know who you are. And what that says to me is that you have an adaptable personality as a trainer. You have a train, you have the type of personality, uh, that can meet the person where they are, um, and make sure that you're giving them what they need. Um, where did that side of you come from? You know, given the fact that you, you know, you picked this up from magazines. Yeah. I think, um, Given that I've been down dark always before by myself and in shitty situations and, you know, been there before, like, it's very simple for somebody to say, you know, I have sympathy for this person that must be tough, you know, whether it's losing a family member or having trouble understanding what to eat or not feeling comfortable in your own skin. It doesn't matter where you are in life. I think there's, um, there's different ways to sympathize with people to, but to truly empathize with somebody to have no, to know what it's like to have been there before. For instance, like maybe three years ago, yeah, 2020, I woke up and I had severe back pain and it progressively got worse and worse and worse to the point where it was debilitating. I couldn't get out of bed. That's how bad it hurt. I couldn't bend over. I, I bought slide on shoes because I didn't want to put shoes. I couldn't put socks and shoes on. Them. Uh, I went to every doctor I could. I went to nerve specialists, back specialists, hip specialists. And this is a word to the wise out there, any trainers or, you know, people who work in the health and wellness space, even doctors, you know, you can say that, you know, you feel bad for somebody because they have back pain or, but until you've dealt with it yourself, you really don't know what that feels like. So because I've torn, you know, muscles and, you know, blew out my knee and fucked on my back and broke bones. Um, I know what that feels like. So when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I have back pain or, Hey, I feel uncomfortable. Well, I know what that feels like. I've been there before myself. So until you've dealt with some shit, people always look at those things as a bad thing, but it actually helps you help other people. 
right? So if you truly know what that feels like, then you're going to be more invested in their success. You know, when somebody comes to me and they're like, I have back pain, I'm like, All right, I'm going to show you everything I fucking know on back pain and every exercise and every movement and introduce you to every person I know. Um, because one, I know what it's like to be there. I didn't want to get a surgery. I didn't, uh, I wanted to do it as natural as I possibly can. I didn't want that downtime, right? Because that again, turns into that affects everything else in your life. I always say, if you wake up in the morning and you feel good, because I want people to wake up every morning and feel as good as they possibly can. If you wake up in the morning and feel good, then that's going to set your day straight. If you wake up in the morning, your back hurts already and you're in pain. Well, then that's going to set the tempo for the rest of your day. Everything else in your day is going to feel like shit because you know your your physical body feels like shit. So um for me, it's like I'm more invested in the success of my clients. Um, I was actually just got off a call call with a couple of the brands that we're having for Strong New York and everything from you know startups to fucking Gatorade, you yeah. know, and we're talking to them and I was like, I want to know what they want out of the event because I've been a vendor myself at different events and I've been treated really well and I've been treated like shit before. And I tend to lean towards the idea that, you know, if I'm going to charge somebody for something, they should get as much value out of it as they possibly get. So I always lead the conversation being like, hey, this is what we do. This is who we are. And now how could I help you be as successful as you can on this day? What can I do to build your presence, build your audience, build whatever outcome you want out of this event. Um, and I do the same thing with training, right? I try to get my clients as happy and as successful as I can in the hour that I have. Um, and I think if you lead with that thought process in everything and anything you do, then that'll be the best way to succeed in life because you can't be a selfish asshole. Eventually that shit's going to catch up to you. You have to be fully invested into people success because their success is going to lead to more success for you. If I have a bunch of people running around New York City being like, he's a jerk off, he charged me for this, he was an asshole, he didn't really you know, come through on everything he said, well, then that eventually is going to bite me in the ass. So I always try to give everybody as much as I possibly can. You know, I, I rent space to different trainers around this, and I try to tell them, uh, you know, like, how could I help you guys build your business? I built a business for myself of my own three times over at a gym in New Jersey. I had here in the state. Um, and now I have this gym and I've had to build my following every time during COVID. I had to build everything back up. Um, so for me, it's like, how could I help the people around me be successful? Because whether they want to acknowledge it or not, at least they'll know that I helped them get there. And if they're the type of person like I am, just like I said, with Joe DeFranco, he's one of those people who, you know, kind of helped me out when he didn't need to. You know, I have so many people in my life that have helped me when they didn't need to that I still pay homage to today. A friend of mine, when I was going through a lawsuit with my first gym in New Jersey, uh, my best friend's dad uh, helped me out with the, the all the legal bullshit with it. And it was such a pain in the ass. And still to this day, I just feel obligated every year on Christmas, I send a huge gift basket to his office to thank him because that was a pretty shit time for me. And I just wanted to get out of this whole thing. And he had helped me and did everything he could. He went above and beyond what he had to do. And he did a great job. And I appreciate that. And still to this day, and that was, it's almost 10 years ago, probably even longer than that. Um, you know, I just, for me, it's like you help those who help you and you help as many people as you can and life will be pretty good at the end of the day. What I love about this is, this isn't lip service. This is this is experience speaking right yeah. now, right? And 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 that's something really to take away. If you're a listener right now, um, you can kind of feel the emotion around what you see is what you get, but what you get is based on um, what Kenny's lived through. Um, and what I want to do now is I want to kind of walk listeners back to how you went from that meeting with your counselor to opening your first business and what that may have entailed and um, where the first person, first business was. Yeah. So, um, God, I was in college 2001. So I think the first week I was in college, 9-11 happened. And then I graduated in May of 2005. 
my sophomore year, I went to go see my counselor and I was, I was an art and education major. A lot of people don't know that about me, um, but I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to comic books and stuff. Far before the, the whole Marvel and DC thing became huge, uh, I was going to Comic-Con. I went to the first Comic-Con here huh. in Texas, and there wasn't half as many people as there are today. Um, but um, I've always been interested in art, every type of art. You know, I, I'll go to museums, I'll check out different uh, art exhibits around the city, and that's part of the reason I love living here. Um, cause at any given day, at any time you see our work, experience it. So it's very cool to me. Um, but I said, I go, I, I want to do art, but I'm so invested in this health and wellness. Thing. I, I love it. I was really, I was really dialing my shit in in college. I wrestled in college and I wanted to get, you know, <clears throat> as I got into college, I went from high school to college and I was 171 in high school. I wrestled 171 in high school, but I sat around like, 165, 167 most of the time without even trying. Um, so I didn't really have to cut a ton of weight in high school. When I got to college, I was probably like 180, 185. Um, and I had to cut down to 174. So I was cutting like 10 pounds every time I had to wrestle. Um, so I was like, all right, how do I do this even more efficient? Right. I didn't want to sit in the, I hated sitting in the fucking sauna with a bag on and doing jump ropes and extra runs and all this shit. Cause it was fatiguing. I was, I was burning myself out more than I was helping myself. So I started to look into nutrition and I'm like, Oh my God, this stuff is so useful. And I want to share this because now I'm doing it for myself. I want to share this with, you know, my friends and my family. Cause I want them to be successful as well. I want them to feel good because I knew what it was like to be fat and feel like shit and have people not treat you a certain way. You know, the, the world is so PC, but at the end of the day, it's like, you're, you're never going to change the way everybody acts and reacts to the way people look. It's like, oh, it's so wrong to make fun of heavy set people, but it's almost instinctual in us to be like, all right, this person's not trying, right? You're not putting in any effort, right? The rest of us are breaking our ass to stay in shape and eat well. You know, why isn't this person doing the same thing? Blah, 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 whatever. Um, so I want it to help my family and my friends be as, you know, as healthy and happy as they can be. Um, so I went to my guidance counselor and I was like, Hey, how do I do this? How do I, you know, simultaneously take both. She's like, you'll be in college for the next eight years. If you think you could do those two things that never really cross paths at all. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, fuck it. I just wanted to get out of school. I hate a college. I'm not a student. I'm not, you know, the best at, writing writing emails let alone writing papers so um i wanted to get out of college i graduated in 2005 i had done my first television show in september of 05 um and that kind of took me down this path where i had to be in great shape i'm going on tv and i'm like like any anybody else so at that time men's health would do or muscle fitness would do these articles on like oh how so and so gained 10 pounds of muscle for this role or that role. And I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta learn this. I gotta learn this trick. Um, because I wanted to go on TV and look as good as I possibly could. Um, so I started to, you know, explore what that would look like. I'm like, all right, there's gotta be a way I could get a personal training certification, go take, uh, do continued education within this field. I don't have to go back to school and learn it from a textbook. Um, and I started taking courses and I started like looking into like where people were doing like seminars and things like that. Um, and at the same time, it, it wasn't as readily available, right? It was 2005. Google, I don't even think Google this was a free iPhone. Book. Yeah. Yeah. What the iPhone came out in 2007, right? 2008. Yeah. Um, so you had to hunt for these things. Um, so I started doing it and I just fell in love with it. I, and it was like what I looked forward to. And I remember telling my dad, I'm like, you know, I really like doing this. He's like, what? how the fuck are you going to make any money doing this? I'm huh. like, well, hopefully I'll be really good at it and I'll make some money from it. Um, fast forward 2012, 2013, the height of, uh, or actually the beginning of the spike of CrossFit, right? Yeah. I had been in CrossFit for a little bit now. I was doing it in New York. I was doing it in New Jersey. I would go and look for other CrossFit gyms. This was at the time where it's like you go into a CrossFit gym, like you paid the drop in and you bought a t-shirt because you wanted to be like, I went to that gym and this gym and that gym. Um, I got an opportunity with a couple of people from um, one of the guys who actually used to work at Reebok to open up a Reebok CrossFit gym in Jersey. 
I was going to be kind of the face and the trainer at the time. And, you know, he was going to handle the finances and definitely handle the finances. He was taking money out of the account that led to this big lawsuit, which was a fucking nightmare. I don't encourage anyone to ever sue anybody or, you know, go through a lawsuit ever regarding anything, whether it's marriage or anything, because it's a fucking nightmare. And the only people who make money are the attorneys. And you've probably heard people say that a thousand times and people still get into shitty business situations. That's why the gym I have today is I'm a sole owner. I don't owe anybody anything. You know, my event, I own everything. People always say to me like, oh, why don't you blow this up? Why don't you get investment? I'm like, because when you start to pull on investment from different people, you start to become more and more expectations. And if you want to have control over something and you want to do it the right way, if you want to do it your way, which is obviously in your mind, the right way, then you don't want a hundred people's opinions. You don't want everybody with their hand in the fucking cookie jar. You want to do it the way you see fit. You know, if you are an expert and you really know what you're talking about, then do it your way and have as few people involved as possible. So let me pull the layers on this really quickly. 2005, you said you started diving into TV shows. What kind of TV shows were you on in 2005? So I had, I dated a girl in college who was a huge fan of the real world road rules challenge. Okay. We, we went to go try out for the, or the real world, whatever. And uh, we tried out for the show, the September of my senior year in college, a year to the day later, I was on a TV show. Um, I originally got casted to be a part of the real world. Um, you know, right before I was supposed to leave, they told me they had a change of heart. I'm not going. I told them to fuck themselves. Huh. I finished out my, and God bless. Thank God. Everything happened. My mother's a huge advocate of saying everything happens for a reason. She was dead right when she said that, because I would have never finished college had I, sure you know, left for the show in January of 2005. Um, but I stayed in school. I finished out till May. They'd call me up in June, asked me to do another show. I told them no. I was working at the time. I had a girlfriend. Uh, then they called me back in um, August. And they were like, hey, listen, we have this competition-based show. You can win $250,000. You know, I'm fresh out of college. Yep. You know, I rest. I'm like, unless some fucking D1 football player or something showed up, I might be pretty good at this. I'd be gone for a month. I'd work for a month. I was like, if I could make $250,000 in a month, this is the most I'll ever make. Like, think about this. Yeah. I've never been on a plane before. I rarely left New Jersey. I'd come into the city every once in a while, but like I was a straight fucking Jersey, Guido, huh. blue collar, white trash, Italian fucking kids from New Jersey. Like my, every summer I've ever had, like when I hear people like, oh, I went to Disney. I'm like, I've still never been to Disney. I'm 40 fucking years old. Uh, I've never... You know, unless I was working there, I've probably never been to Europe uh, or never been to Europe. For me, it's like I just never really traveled or anything. I, like I hadn't been on a plane at this point. So I go on the show. I take second place. You know, I win more money than I knew what, I, what to do with. Uh, I started getting all these opportunities and one right after the other. I was on every consecutive show for seven, eight years. Got so, it. And they were all competition-based shows. I just found myself to be pretty good at it. You know? Got it. Um, you know, when I got into... If you know me, you know that I like to look good and feel good. As an endurance athlete who trains daily, I need my wardrobe to fit the mold. Roan creates performance-driven clothing for your active lifestyle. Each piece is designed for versatility and made with integrity to outfit you for an active life lived on your own terms. The Roan promise is to help you move forever forward. Use code MILE40 for 20% off online and in-store for new customers only. Visit www.rhone.com, that's Rhone spelled R-H-O-N-E, or find your local store and move forever forward starting today. I was never really athletic. I was never born with any skills. As a kid, I mean, you could see the pictures. Yep. I, was, I was fat, awkward, I had glasses, um, but I worked really hard, right? I always knew that like the one thing I had up on everybody else is I'll just, I'll just keep working because I don't have the skill set. I wasn't that smart. Um, I wasn't that naturally athletic. So I'm like, I just need to work harder than everybody else. And that's what I did. Where, where were you 
in terms of on the social front, you know, were you, did you have a lot of friends growing up? Did you stick to this, you know, a small click Were you going out a lot back then? Uh, where yeah. do you, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Like I, I always found myself, um, I always saw myself as a misfit in yeah. a way. And that's why I gravitated towards like, I mean, I went to an arts, uh, like I was in the arts school at my college, uh, Montclair state, um, in high school. You know, most of my buddies were athletes and guys I hung out with were athletes, but I also hung out with one of my best friends in high school was, uh, you know, the president of the bocce ball club huh. and he was in the band. Um, so I have always gravitated towards what most people would traditionally call like misfits and stuff. So I, I always saw myself that way too, right? Like I enjoy, I feel like I'm at home when I go to like comic con or something, you know, so- I enjoy that. Like I can nerd out with a lot of people. <laughs> You know, so there's so many things, kind of so many factors here, right? Like your parents kind of being like, I don't know about you going down this route. And then even when you were trying to incorporate a healthy lifestyle when you were younger, even being questioned for that. And then, you know, the the friends that you kind of surrounded yourself with, not to say that health and wellness may not have been a priority, but clearly, you know, a different, uh, a different sect of the community in terms of, you know, the people that you were hanging out with. See, you were kind of on this island alone in terms of like pushing uh, yeah. for health and wellness being important. And um, there was a lot of room there for you to kind of even doubt yourself. And did that ever come across or were you kind of, per- were you persistent throughout? No, I think I'm, I'm a pretty stubborn fuck. I mean, I think <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I think good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I think most women who I've been with, I'll tell you the same thing. Um, I, I rather die than lose most of the time. And like, if I set my mind to something, I'm, I want to see it through. Right. I don't think I, to my knowledge, I've never really quit anything. Even when I hate it, even when it sucked, um, I never really quit anything. That's what, like I did an Ironman without training for it. 2013, I read the Louisville Ironman and I had signed up for it in, that the fall before that. And I said, I'm just going to do one. I'm going to sign up. And I remember like a week beforehand and everybody's like, dude, you're going to get hurt out there. Don't go, don't go. Everybody was like, don't go. And for everyone who told me don't go, it just fueled me more to want to go. And I'm like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to do this. So me and my brother, my older brother, God bless his soul. He drove me out there and came out there with me. And he's like, this is so cool. I can't believe we're going to do this. Um, and this is before everybody was doing triathlons and shit, you know, and I went out there and I, uh, I got it done 15 hours later, I fucking crossed the finish line, everything fucking hurt. But I'm like, the only thing that carried me through was like, I rather die than not finish this thing. Um, and the, part of the reason why I didn't train for it was one, I had, had recently torn my shoulder at the time. I put my pack, like clear off the bone doing CrossFit. Um, and at the time I was doing jujitsu, I was boxing, I, I was doing CrossFit. I mean, I couldn't do enough shit. Um, this was like the height of me being, what was that? God, 10 years ago. So I was 30, maybe 20, you know, started doing a lot of this stuff when I was 26, 27, 28, um, and fell in love with it and just kept going with it. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of, a part of it was just like me wanting to do it. I'm like, I just, I wanted to dedicate my life to it. So I never had to worry about falling out of shape again. And people are always like, well, what are you going to do when you're 50 and 60 years old? I'm like, well, the same thing a fucking accountant does when he's 50 or 60 years old, right? Only he's sitting behind a desk hating his life and I'll be in a gym enjoying mine, you know, because I can't imagine a day or a year or a part part of my life where I'm not going to be in a gym. So I'm like, I might as well have my own gym and run it the way I want and do what I want to do at the gym. because. One, I don't like listening to anybody else. And two, I think I'm doing everything right. Um, so I'm probably flawed in that respect, but I'm, it's also kind of what's driven me to this point. I love that. I mean, you said so much there and there's so much to break into. Um, I want to go back to um, your that first partnership, right? Where things went south. Um, you had some litigation there, a lawsuit. Um, did that, was that a major setback or was that just kind of a hurdle that you quickly had to get over? Like you kind of swallowed it, realized like, you know, that wasn't what you envisioned it was going to be. Uh, yeah. and then picked up the pieces. 
Yeah, it was a major financial setback for sure. I had dumped a lot of the money that I'd won on television and stuff into that gym. Um, I was living off that for a little bit of time, um, you know, because obviously starting a new business and I tell young guys and young girls who want to open up a gym, they're like, I want marble tile in the bathroom. And I want fucking this grand fucking foyer when you walk in the gym. And I'm like, Oh, somebody has got to pay for all that shit. And I go, the more shit you start adding to that bill, the more you have to pay off. So keep those costs as low and as simple as you can, because that's you need to pay yourself or somebody else back for a lot of that that money that you're going to put out. I was one of those people when I first opened my gym. I was like, "Oh, we'll have this grand entrance way and put you know all this fucking fancy artwork on the walls and shit." Um, you know, and so I spent a lot of money there. Um, and then litigation's not cheap, so spent a lot of money there. Um, and I remember I was just telling somebody this story the other day. I invited my mom into my office. Cause that's where I started her getting workout and I was sitting on, the, uh, sitting on my desk and I had all these bills in front of me hmm. and I had bills after bill after bill. Cause the gym was doing okay, but um, I still had so much other shit that I was like paying off and all the stuff that I had put on the, um, on credit cards and stuff. And I go, I'm like $85,000 in the hole. And every month this nut gets bigger and bigger and I, I'm drowning in it. Lucky me, I've been signed with a talent agency here in New York City since I was 21 years old, 22 years old, um, since I got on television. And uh, I had booked a, a commercial, a Crest commercial, huh. uh, <laughs> earlier that year, and nothing had come of it. I think I got 1500 bucks to film the commercial. It ended up getting picked up as a national commercial, and I got $65,000 check for six months yeah and i go this is fucking god's way of telling me like keep going now so i took the check i paid off everything i had to pay off and still had some you know shit i still had to pay off but it got basically a major dent huge huge lump off my back um and when i lost that gym or i didn't lose i mean i i won the lawsuit but it was like pay me out incrementally over time it was like I think they give me like thirty-five or forty thousand um, dollars at the end of the lawsuit, but that's basically what I was paying in fucking legal fees and all this other bullshit. Um, I was living in my car at the time because um, I was working so much in the city. I was either working at uh, another fitness studio, I was bartending, I was doing odd jobs, I was doing shit for my agency, like bullshit, any fucking thing they would pay me for covers of bullshit romance novels and children's huh. books and everything in between, you know, and we all do those embarrassing shitty things. Um, but I was determined to pay the bills, right? Like it was, I'd rather do the fucking, you know, people break my balls all the time about doing these, uh, like costume fucking modeling jobs and shit. But I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Or I could spread my asshole open for fucking only fans, you know, so <laughs> I'd rather the costume thing. So, um, so I, you know, I, I chose the latter, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, there's every, every one of us will have ups and downs. And I think telling people, you know, and admitting when you, admitting when you, things go wrong in your life, because I've always related to people who've been more human, right? The reason why people like Batman more than Superman is because Superman's immortal. We can't understand what it would be like to be so handsome. And have every power you could imagine. Like, what doesn't Superman do? He flies. He's super strong. He could, you know, blow fucking, freeze everything. He could shoot lasers out of his eyes. It's like, there's nothing he can't do. People gravitate towards Batman because he's human. He's flawed. He loses. He gets hurt, right? So people want to relate to other people, right? The reason why people fell in love with Eminem is because he was saying and feeling all the same shit that most kids and people were feeling at that time. You know, if you listen to certain music, it takes over, it, it kind of shows you what society's like at that time, right? The 80s were this Reagan era of cocaine and parties and all this shit. And it's like Motley Crue and Cyndi Lauper and, you know, fun party music. And then the grunge era came involved. And it's like after the 89, um, uh, you know, crisis, there was uh, the, uh, 
kind of the banks and all the shit was starting to fall apart and people were sad and upset and angry and there's always teenage angst so that's when you had like this grunge era and the, the pearl jam and the fucking nirvana and all that stuff so it's like if you kind of listen to the music you got to see what's going on in those times and see what was going on in society i always feel like what's going on with one person in society is probably going on with most others right i tell people everyone's like oh well you know your job's fine and i go no i go everything that happens in new york affects my bottom line right if people are moving out because of the pandemic that's going to affect my bottom line right if people are don't feel safe in new york city and start moving out or don't come out of their house then that's going to affect my bottom line so what do i have to do to make new york city a better place to live so that my business thrives and other people's business thrive i'm not going to not go to the coffee shop down the block uh, because the price of coffee went up. It's like, no, I need to contribute. I need to be a, a add to society being, becoming better. I want the guy across the street who has a coffee shop to survive because he's going to bring more people to his coffee shop, which brings more people to the area that I'm in, which makes it more successful for me to be here. You know, so competition happens at the bottom. I heard Gunnar Peterson say this not too long ago. Competition and collaboration happens at the top, right? And when you start to understand that you will help yourself more by helping other people, then you infinitely become more successful. So stop looking at everybody as someone you want to put out of business or see do what bad. Like when I see other, I want my clients to do well, right? Like my, one of my clients is my doctor. She was here today. I send all my clients. Why wouldn't, if I'm going to send, if I'm going to spend money or refer my clients to a doctor, why wouldn't I want it to be the doctor who supports me? And she in turn does the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, my friend who's a, one of my clients is a real estate agent. I'm looking for, you know, I potentially, hopefully like to open up another space. Why would I use her? Yeah. Why would I want to help the people around me? You know, yeah. you want people to do well. So support the people around you and they'll support you. Yeah. Right? It's so yeah. simple and people fuck it up all the time. You're spot on. I mean, you couldn't have said it better. And, you know, you talk about how comparison is the thief of joy and you talk about how uh, important it is to, to, to elevate those around you. I mean, you know, you lift them up, you know, that that's all that needs to happen in order for the general ecosystem to rise up with you. Um, and so you're spot on with that. Um, man, you know, I feel like you touched on so much and, um, we didn't even get into like where you are today uh, <laughs> in terms of um, how you ended up even building Strong New York and, and where that came from. So why don't we kind of walk listeners to that really quick? Because I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so why don't you tell us about how Strong New York started? So I had, like I said, I got into the fitness industry and I kind of geek out on this stuff. And I, I love trade shows and I love going to different events and I love being a part of the community. Um, and I had started to meet all these people um, who have all these great brands and they just want more potential clients and the clients want to find the best products out there. So I was meeting a lot of these people and I had this great network of people and I had a ton of clients and um, I'd listen to certain people talk at different events and I'm like, oh man, I wish, wish my mom, I wish one of my friends heard that. Because it's such a great nugget of information. You know, me regurgitating what somebody else said isn't the same as the coming from somebody else. One of the people I had just asked to speak at this year's Strong New York is a guy named Martin Rooney. I don't know if you know who he is, but hopefully we're going to get him at uh, this year's Strong New York. And still to this day, he's probably one of the best motivational speakers I've ever heard. And I've been to Tony Robbins and I've been to everything. This guy is fires you the fuck up. And he's so good at what he does. And, um, you know, he's one of these people where I'm like, man, I want to get him in front of my clients and my friends, my family, so they could hear what this guy does. Um, and around the same time, I'm going to all these fitness events. I was also live here in New York and I went to the food and wine festival and I went to New York city coffee show and I went to uh, comic con and I went to, uh, the fit, uh, the, uh, fashion week. And I went to, the New York city boat show and I'm going all this shit. And I'm like, there's not one fucking fitness event. There's nothing for fitness. So I decided to create this fitness expo, um, 
that I would want to go to, right? What would I want to go to or what would I want to see? And, you know, I've been to everything from FIBO out in Germany to uh, the LA Fit Expo, right? Around the globe and back of fitness events. And I'm like, yeah. all right, I like this from this and I like this from this and I want this from this. And I wanted to put it all in the heart of New York and call it the simplest, stupidest thing that most people could get behind, right? No one ever sets out and goes, I'm going to get weaker. I want to be less productive. I want to be less effective. I want to be, you know, I don't want to be strong. Everyone wants to be strong mentally, figure, physically, emotionally. Everybody wants to get stronger. And, you know, some people might not feel it about New York as they once did. And some people still love it. But regardless, it's the, in my world, in my mind, it's the center of the universe. So strong in New York are the just two things that I believe in more than anything else. And that's where the name came from. Um, and I wanted to put in what makes people stronger is collaboration. So the event is about collaborating, meeting people, you know, networking with people, building your brand, and in turn, helping other people build their brands. You know, so I want brands to be there so they could meet clientele. And I want the clients to, you know, meet the brands that work with them so they, uh, so they could get better and, you know, use the products that they, that will help them along their journeys. Um, you know, somebody like James is a great example of yeah. somebody who since day one, when I talked to him, he's just a good, like, we're so similar. We're so different guys, but we're so similar in so many ways. Um, and he's just always, anytime I've asked him for anything or anytime we just, he's like, I'm doing this. I'm like, I'm there. Don't worry about it. I'm a part of it. You know, and during um, 2020, I was doing a thing with Nicola Vulture and they wanted to support uh, a business. And, you know, I contacted those guys and I was like, hey, listen, I got a couple grand I could spend at a, at a, at a venue. I want to donate it to you guys. I want to give it to you guys. You know, like that's what happens when you're accepted, when you yes people. When you tell them, yes, I want to help you out. Yes, I'm going to support you. Yes, I want to do this. Like, gave them a fucking pretty nice injection of cash just because I was like, I like these guys. They're good yeah. people. They always support me. Well, I want to support them. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think more people need to start saying yes and less people need to start saying no um, to opportunities where you're like, I might not get anything out of this today, but down the road, I might. Um, and, you know, after the last event that we did, we had over a thousand people at the last event. Um, after the last event, or even right before the event, you know, we were getting calls from Adidas and Gatorade and Coca-Cola to be like, hey, we want to be a part of this. But I've spent the last seven years building this thing. Yeah. You know, I put, I put money on the line where I'm like, if I don't get this back, I'm fucked. You know, yeah. and here I go again in 2023. I'm putting every year it gets more expensive to do and harder to do and harder to pull off. Um, but I truly believe in it. I refuse to lose. I'm going to see it through no matter what. You know, even if it puts me in the fucking ground, I'm going to keep doing it. You know, and I want the, the best people there and the right people there and anybody who feels like they're, they want to be a part of it. I had a girl who just hit me up on Instagram and she's like, Hey, I'm transitioning from being in financial world and i want to get into health and wellness and i see what you're doing and she's like i just want to be a part of that i want to help out i go come to the gym come to the gym for free you know and you could come see what i'm doing and if it's something that interests you i'm going to bring you on board um and i met her and she's a sweetheart and obviously she's a very smart girl uh former d1 women's basketball player and uh I'm like, of course, I'd want you a part of this because I don't want to have to convince somebody that what I'm doing is a good thing. If yeah. somebody already believes in what I'm doing, well, then that's the person I want on board with. That's somebody I want to bring to help me build this even more because I know I can't do it. I'm never going to be able to. I'm never going to be like, oh, why created this? It's like, no, if it wasn't for, you know, Christy and my client Maria and, you know, a hundred other people that have helped me along the way. My sister and my brother in law come every year and, they're selling tickets. They're moving chairs. They do everything they could. My old, my little brother, you know, I had him, him and five of his friends pick up equipment from a gym in Hoboken, New Jersey, you know, at five in the morning, thousands of pounds of equipment so that we had equipment at one of the events in 2019. Right. So like everybody contributes, everybody comes in. And at the end of the day, whatever money I have left over that, you know, I didn't spend building the thing out. I take everybody out to dinner and everybody for drinks. And if I have enough money to buy everybody, like, you know, 
something special just to say thank you. It's like, that's what I do. It's like, you know, 20 grand is it going to make or break or move the needle for me? So I rather show people my appreciation by spending that on them. And everyone's like, you're stupid. You should save that money. I'm like, yeah, okay. But I could also put 20 grand on a fucking credit card if I need to get something, yeah. you know? So, um, so I, the magic is in the, in the people and what happens, right? Cause everybody's like, well, what's going to happen? I was like, the magic happens when you're there, right? When you get to network with people and hang out with people that you never thought you'd meet or people that you never even thought you would meet or would hang out with and you form a relationship with them. I love hearing when people are like, oh, well, I met my boyfriend at Strong New York, or I met my, uh, this company that now pays me fucking four grand a month to be uh, an ambassador for them, you know, and that helped me get a new apartment or whatever. Like, those are the things that I want to happen. I'm a big believer in goodwill investments. And that is exactly what you are speaking about right there. You know, just doing the right thing. Um, and, and knowing that, um, you know, if you treat people the way that, you know, you're supposed to treat them and the way that you want to be treated, that ultimately it's going to get paid forward. And I, I personally am a huge proponent of that. And I feel like you're just, you're just spitting so much wisdom over here that I hope the listeners kind of soak in uh, with regards to this. It's more than just a mindset. It's actionable. It's something that does pay off um, in the long run. Um, and so thank you for sharing all that. Um, as we wind things down here, I want to ask you, was there one moment in life that you consider to be a learning moment that was particularly difficult, whether it was, uh, you know, while you were opening up your businesses, whether it was in your personal life, uh, anything you've come across where you just either learn something about yourself or about life in general, um, you know, through a dark, dark moment. Yeah. Um, there was a point I was going through some serious shit, like I mentioned to you before. Um, it was personal. It was, you know, I was getting torn apart on, um, I was getting canceled before being canceled was even a fucking thing. I had broken up with my significant other. I lost a job. I mean, everything was fucking falling apart at the same time. Um, and you kind of look at yourself in the mirror, which I did a lot. And I was like, you know what? I could take all these pills that are in my cabinet and hopefully I don't wake up from it. Or I could stop working backwards and start working forwards. What is something that I could do to help me feel good right now? I could go for a run. I could go to the gym. I could go hang out with my family. I could go do something that will put a plus in my, on my side, right? And I want to just slowly, over time, start increasing those pluses. Hang out with people that make me feel better. Do things that make me feel better. You know, at the end of the day, I know drinking isn't going to make me feel any better because I'm going to fall out of shape and feel like shit. Doing drugs isn't going to help me out because that's only going to lead to more turmoil. Nobody's like, I started taking drugs and everything. My whole life got better. No, right? Or like I started eating like shit and my whole life got better. No. Start doing the things that you know for a fact that 99.9% .9 of people could agree on that that's going to make you feel better and do better. Um, so I think adding up those wins, and that's what I started doing. I started doing things. I started doing competitions and started competing in things and starting to, um, you know, open, opening up other doors and working more and trying to accomplish more so that I felt better on a daily basis. So I didn't feel like shit. And, you know, I, I never took anything and I never did anything to, uh, to go further down that hole. And, you know, every, everything from that point on has been a plus and a blessing, even when shit goes wrong. You know, I, my last gen, I used to run solace over in uh, 32nd street i put my heart and soul into that gym and there's not a person around the world who wouldn't tell you that they thought the gym was mine you know yeah. and, uh i don't care what anybody wants to tell you you know there were papers drawn up and i was supposed to be an owner of that place and uh be a part of it and i got fucked out of it and instead of being vengeful and aggressive and negative towards it i'm like you know what everything fucking happens for a reason and I went on and it allowed me to open up my own gym and focus on strong and do all the things that make me happy. And now it's like, I have my own shit and I wish them the best of luck. I hope they succeed and do whatever they need to do. But, you know, my time had ran up there and I could have easily got mad about that and did negative shit. But 
that negative stuff's only going to lead to more negative stuff. So I'm like, let me, let me do something. Let me start building my own business. Let me see how I could do, put more pluses in my, on my side. And that's what I did. And here I am three years later, it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight, but work out, eat a better meal, eat something that's going to make you feel better about yourself. Um, go out and spend some time with some people that will make you feel better about yourself. I think those simple, easy things, one of the things that I say all the time and that I have on some of the strong New York shirts is take care of the little things and the big things take care of themselves. And my high school football coach, who was also my high school wrestling coach, would say that to us all the time. He's like, take care of the little things and the big things take care of themselves. And it has held true my whole life. You know, it wasn't the one crazy workout that I did. It wasn't the time I won a district championship. It was the little things that I did on a daily basis, those things that I wanted to, that I didn't want to do. And I didn't think that mattered at that time. But as I compounded those things over time have made me, have put me where I am at this point, you know, that extra 20 minutes or half hour I put into training, the extra 20 minutes or half hour I put into a client, helped them out. The extra time I spent at work, you know, the, you know, when you're like, oh, should I have the cake? Should I not? It's like, I'm not saying don't have cake, but I'm saying you, you should have it less than times you're having. Right. So chalk up those wins as much as you can. And they don't have to be grand slams. Not everything's going to be grass up. Get on base, get on base as much as you can. Even if you got to walk there, get on base. Kenny. Thank you for laying out, man. Thank you for stressing the importance of small wins, for being just so vulnerable, authentic, shooting us straight. You know, this may have been, you know, you may have been the biggest straight shooter on this show. Not to say anything bad about any other guests that I've had on. Everyone's been great, but you got raw, man. And and I really, really appreciate it. And I know there's a lot of takeaways here. There's a lot of sound bites. Uh, but most of all, I know that there's going to be people out there listening to this episode with an ability to just relate because you are you are real man and it's a real honor having you on well thank you buddy i appreciate it. i'm glad we got to finally make it happen absolutely thank you brother thank you dude thank you for listening today If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.